So I invite you to turn this morning to uh, Luke chapter 2, Luke chapter 2, and that's found on page um, 1019 in those Bibles that are in front of you, page 1019, and I'll be reading at verse 25 through verse 35 of the well-known story of uh, Simeon, beginning at verse uh, 25 this morning. Let's give our attention to the word of the Lord, Luke chapter 2, 25. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and say, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts for many hearts may be revealed. And there will end the reading of God's Word. Well, today we celebrate um, around the world the birth of, of Christ. And I think what surprised me this year, every year there's some new sort of thing happening about this and something you can see and observe in the culture. I think what surprised me this year, um, what I expected was more of a cancellation of Christmas and a rising up against it in cancel culture and in our woke culture. That's kind of what I expect, but that's not what I saw. Christmas received this year in a different kind of way, at least in my, and I could be wrong about this, you might have a different perception, but at least in my own perception is, it received great attention this year. It's surprising because everything about Christianity is kind of on the chopping block in our culture. It's, it's picking it apart. And Christmas didn't seem to get that. It had it in some quarters this year. But if you go around in general, I think you would say, if you were driving around the last few days, if you were bold and brave enough to do that, um, you will say Christmas is doing rather well in America. I watched a major, major news network yesterday showing Christians around the world celebrating Christmas. And I couldn't believe how many are celebrating in all the cultures. If you like beer, you want to go to Australia. That's what they do at Christmas. They drink beer. I didn't know that. If you like lights, Japan has you beat. I had no idea how many lights are set up over Christmas in Japan. It's impressive. You might stop by my neighborhood. I couldn't believe the efforts people are going to to put up Christmas lights this year. Some of these light displays are just unreal. This wasn't always like that. You go by the Gordon house, there's one strand, and my kids call it, you know, those are the old schoolers, Dad. You need to get up with the times. They look terrible. Light displays of things like hours and hours of work to do this stuff. Well, why such a celebration? And why the interest? 
Why is it faring fairly well in a cancel culture? Well, I think everyone senses that things aren't good. I think everyone senses that things are very difficult. You have corruption at levels we've not seen. You've had evil in government that has troubled us. You have wars going on. You have economic chaos. And you have not a very good economic year ahead of you. I think people look back to their childhood. And I think they're very nostalgic. That's why we play these movies over and over and over on the TV. It's a wonderful life. We're nostalgic. And um, people are looking for peace. People are looking for happiness and, and a more simple time, a more simple time for us, right? I mean, this is, this is getting all out of hand, isn't it? And what is generally believed about Christianity, hey, I mean, how could you argue with it? Enough people believe that there is somebody who is promised who has come to help us. Somebody's got to help us. Because no president's doing it. Well, what a passage I have for you on the Lord's Day. There are many parallels uh, from the first century with the arrival of Jesus for us to study that are are quite um, intriguing and interesting in my study this week and always to reflect upon this glorious passage. The parallels of the, 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 the first coming to the second coming and the things that happened at the first coming. And so it's, it's, it's really interesting and you can learn a lot about what it means to wait upon the Lord. That's one of the great benefits of studying the birth of Christ around the events around the first coming. There's nothing too cozy about it. It really does capture for us um, a picture of a long, intense, hard struggle of waiting on the Lord. Be of good courage and I'll strengthen your heart. Wait on the Lord. It's a long, long time of wait. What is it that discourages us in the wait? And what are we waiting for? Well, it's expectations, aren't they? It all has to do with with expectations. It's, it's really the issue right now. It's what are the expectations? What do you expect? What do you want and what do you expect? It's been on my mind l- lately that we're on the brink of something great to happen. The reason I say this is because it seems like we're in a new Middle Ages and the darkness has come over us in ways that people can't really explain. I think that's the sort of disillusionment that everyone has, has experienced in our days and our times, even Christians. You've lived at the end of Christendom, where, and, and a time where uh, there was great influence of our faith in culture and in society. And we're fighting to hold on to it, but it's, it is passing. Surprising ways in these past years. We feel it. And what has been the universal way that everyone, no matter if they're of faith or not, what is the the, the way people are, are at least coping with this or trying to cope? Politics. Notice how absorbed everyone is into politics. And if you're not absorbed in it, you just turn it off. And you try not to think about it. We desperately want somebody or someone to lighten the heavy burdens that are coming on us because it doesn't seem like they're getting easier. 
And this is why studying the birth of Christ is so helpful. <laughs> you can go to secular writers that write about this. You can go to Josephus that writes about this. This has, this has been, there are secular historians wrote about the birth of Christ. How do the scriptures characterize it? How does the Bible characterize the birth of Christ? The Bible characterizes the birth of Christ is those who were in darkness have seen a great light. The people walking in darkness have finally seen the light. And those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has finally dawned. That's what was characterized years before when the Messiah would come. But what did they see? What did they see? There is a figure who is set before us who teaches us how he walked and made it through the darkness of the times in which he lived. And the joy that he experienced when he beheld the Lord's light. And his name is Simeon. Meaning God answers. God answers my prayers. Before us this morning, you have a beautiful account that shows us this. Can you imagine and and think about this beautiful testimony of someone who says, in all the darkness, I have seen the light. I beheld that light. It's meant to be a testimony to us. Testimony that we are to believe. But can you, it's my question, can you have the light and not see it? That's the question. Can the light be upon us and we not see it? Because the Bible demonstrates, here Simeon demonstrates before us, I think he's one of the most special characters in all of the Bible, he demonstrates really what a true celebration of the incarnation looks like. And that's where that question is answered. Notice in verse 25 how this account begins. Now, there was a a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was just and devout. Um, He is described here as as righteous and God-fearing. He's an honorable man. He was a devout saint. He was a layman. Again, (laughs) think of last week with Mary. When we see these birth accounts, sure, you have wise men and you have great figures, but the, the, the accounts of most note to really look at here are the fact that he came to nobodies and that he came to people. Who is Simeon? Nobody really knows who Simeon is other than his name means God answers. He was a layman sitting here. He didn't come to the great and to the noble and to the pastors and to the, to the, to the tetriarchs and patriarchs. He didn't come to all of them. He came to that little old saint in the pew. There was something about his character that is meant to inspire us. It really is captured by the way that he lived by faith. His faith was remarkable. He lived by faith believing Christ was coming. Now, I could say that right now. Do you live by faith believing that Christ is coming? And all of you be convicted because very few do. We don't live that way. We might say it, but to really live that way, he's coming. It would change things, wouldn't it? It wouldn't change how we live. It would change how we do our business. It would change how we treat people, change the fights we really want to fight about. It would change all these things. Something beautiful said about him. The spirit was upon him. 
kind of explains it. (laughs) The Holy Spirit had revealed to him that he would not taste death until Christ came. Whoa. I'm guessing that he was um, young when this prophecy was given to him. Because I think he's pictured here as a very old man. So for year after year after years, and all these years passed in his life, he kept hoping maybe this would be the year. Maybe this will be the year that Jesus comes, the Messiah. And through all those difficulties and through all those hardships of becoming old, he did not waver in faith. Year after year, the Lord had said it would happen. The Holy Spirit had said it would happen. And he believed it would happen in his lifetime. Here he is at the end. There's something here of him that is meant to inspire us, I think, how to live in dark times of, with patience. We're not good at it. <laughs> We're not good at it. We read that he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. That's such a significant statement. I don't think we can overlook it. The word means comfort. He was waiting for the comfort to come. Waiting for comfort. (laughs) That's what the world's waiting for, isn't it? Are they? What's what they want? Where do you get it? Everyone wants comfort. Comfort from what? The Holy Spirit had shown to him in his lifetime the comfort would come. Comfort would come. Comfort, said Isaiah 40. Comfort, my people. Say, says your God, speak to Jerusalem. Would you cry out to her, O prophet, that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned? Comfort them. Comfort them. You know, at this time, the expectation of the Messiah to come was everywhere in Israel. It's, it seems surprising to try to put this together, and I wrestled a bit with it. Um, but it was sho- I was shocked, again, to read many of the rabbis on this and think through how the rabbis at the time looked at and what they expected about the coming of the Messiah. You know the rabbis, there was the prevailing belief that the Messiah would come in the first century. It was all over their writings. They took the prophecies of Micah and they took the prophecies of Daniel and they spent all their time in eschatology, study the last things. And, and, and they had come to determine the Messiah would come in the first century based on the 70 weeks of Daniel. Rob said, the Son of Man will not come until Roman power enfolds Israel for nine months, as it is written. Therefore, he will give them up until the time that she which travails has brought forth. Then the remnant of his brethren shall return unto the children of Israel. Ola said, let the Messiah come. Listen, but let me not see him. Abiah inquired of Rabbah, what's your reason? Rabbah likewise said, let him come, but let me not see him. Why? What is your reason for not wishing to see him? Shall we say because of the birth pains? 
preceding the advent of the uh, the advent of the Messiah? Shall we say because of all this hardship that's happening? Is that why you're saying this? With Roman rule, everyone thought the time had come. But here's the point: all expectations were failing. Rabbi Rockman said, Woe to us, for the scepter has parted from Judah, and the Messiah has not come. Rabbi Mose ben Maimon, uh, one of the most respected rabbis in history, said, The end times have already come, but there's no sign of the Messiah. Sanhedrin 97b, Rabbi Rob says, All the predestined dates for redemption, the coming of Messiah, have passed. And the matter now only depends upon repentance and good deeds. So we got to get our life together because he has not come. When Jesus came, do you remember what he said when he went to the cross? What did he say? He said this. If you had known, especially you, especially in this your day, listen to this, the things that make for your peace, but now they are hid from your eyes because you did not know the time of your visitation. He did come. He did come. Who saw it? I think that's our struggle. A lot of people celebrate this day because it's about a good thing. It's about family. Uh, it's about happiness. Um, I think, I'm sure it's a lot um, right now due to the hardness of, of life. But, do people really believe that Jesus has come? And that he's coming again. Do they really believe that? How could we live in a world with this kind of sorrow and conflict and pessimism and unbelief and death if a Messiah has come? Isn't that the question? Doesn't all this hardship make us feel a lot like the Jews? Whatever we believe about the kingdom reign of Jesus, whatever we believe about hope and prosperity, save now, prosperity now, this isn't it. We're sure not experiencing it. Well, that depends. (laughs) That depends. Do you see why Simeon's a light in this context? I was struck by something Calvin said. I, I, I think it's just so insightful. Listen to this. Now, since an expectation of this sort is commended in Simeon as an uncommon attainment, in other words, he is so rare and it's commended, it's so uncommon in the first century, we may conclude that there were few at that age who actually cherished in their hearts the hope of redemption. All had on their lips the name of the Messiah and of prosperity and under the reign of David. 
But hardly anyone was to be found who patiently endured afflictions, relying on the consolatory assurance that the redemption of the church was at hand. That is so good. Everyone was saying, put it in our context, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you. Merry Christmas. All had Jesus on their lips. All thought and hoped for the prosperity to come. But hardly anyone cherished redemption. Isn't that where we are? What do you need? What do I need? Tomorrow this will be illustrated for you in real time. Because the lights come down. The entire culture stops. It's over for a year. (laughs) Really? They got their money out of it. Those who cherish hope in their hearts, who understand their predicament about their sin, don't chalk this up to a holiday. Jesus didn't come to create a holiday. That's why Simeon matters. You see? Because he's waiting and it happens. I have waited for the Lord more than they who watch for the morning. He was waiting for the consolation. He was waiting for the comfort of Israel. What was he waiting for? This is great. (laughs) This is great. The burden and desire of his heart for the day that the king would finally come, what would it do for him? Well, it would be a light to those in darkness. But how? The Spirit said, you're not going to die until you see him. Simeon comes by faith into the temple. And when his parents brought in the child to do for him according to the custom of the law, He takes the child up in his arms. And I'd imagine he held him just like this and looked and blessed him. This is one of the most special scenes in all the Bible. I can't even hardly contemplate it. I I really can't. This is God's gift to the world. Boys and girls, you're open a lot of gifts right now. This is God's gift. It's extravagant. He didn't hold back. What does Simeon say? He just took up the God-man in his arms. Here's what he said. Lord, now you're letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation. I've been waiting for this. What a scene. Master, Lord, you set me free. Now I can die. I'm free to die. Because I have peace. It's all over the Gospels, beloved, when people finally saw Jesus. A lot of people didn't see him. What did they say? I once was blind. But now I see. It's all over. It was right there. Now I can die. 
My eyes have seen your salvation. You've prepared in the presence of all people light for revelation to the Gentiles. That's you. And the glory of your people Israel. They say you're never really. You never really live until you're ready to die. And you're all trying to stop it. But it can't be stopped. Now I'm ready. Because I've seen your salvation. The Prince of Peace has come. In other words, the hope, everyone is looking forward to this day. And it's universally known. Everyone's looking for it. It's right here. He's come. And you don't put that away until another year. I've seen it. Judgment's taken from me. I've seen salvation. You know what he does here? He puts together a couple Old Testament verses. They're remarkable verses. You know where he takes that quote is? Now that I've seen, I can die. He took it right off the mouth of Jacob to Joseph. Now I'm ready to die since I have seen for myself that you are still alive. You know that story? What did they do to Joseph? They beat him and they threw him in a pit and they sold him into slavery. And then he was raised up to the right hand of Pharaoh, exalted over all, and the nations flowed to him. Now I see, there's the king. And he brings it together with Isaiah 52. The Lord will lay bare his holy arm in the sight of all the nations. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. The question today for us is, and this is what's happened. I mean, if you're here today in Escondido, Isaiah 52 has been proven. (laughs) It's gone out to all the nations. Here we are. I I mean, this is a far way from Jerusalem, my friends. The question is, is how are we responding to this? Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, This child is destined for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign which will be spoken against. Yes, a sword will pierce through your own soul also that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Mary, this is going to pierce you because you bear him. He will die. And in the deepest word uh, moment of her agony, she will need this. This child becomes the great divider of mankind. He will reveal hearts. He is destined for the fall and rise of many in Israel. Do you understand the gospel today? Maybe some have not really understood the Christian gospel. What is this all about? It's a great moment to be really pointed and clear. The great problem of mankind is not bad government. The great problem of mankind is not bad this or bad that. The great problem of mankind is sin. That's why we're in this mess. The sorrows that we experience in this life are all consequences of sin. Sin is breaking God's law. There is a curse on all of us because of it. We are born with this. We are born with a sinful human nature. We come out of the womb this way. We're not good people. Whatever remnants of good that are left are simply because God let the image of God remain in you a little bit. And God demands sin be paid for. Here's your problem. You can't do it. 
This is what he did to you to give the gift we call Christmas. He gave his only begotten son, who is eternal. The one through whom everything was made in this world. And he sent him down here. Wrapped in human nature like ours. Through the virgin's womb, he came. And he grew up. And he lived a perfect life. And then he went to the cross and he died paying for the sins you could never pay for. And then he rose triumphant over the grave and today sits enthroned and all the nations will come to him. They will bow. Every knee will bow and tongue confess that he's Lord. Why would people not believe this? (laughs) This is the best news that could be given to us. When you know there's a world that offers none. This is glad tidings to the earth. This is good news. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth and thick darkness the people. But the Lord will arise over you. His glory will be seen upon you. Gentiles shall come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. Lift your eyes up all around and see. Here they are. Here they are. (laughs) That's what he's saying. You have the light in the sight of all the nations today. The birth of Jesus everyone's talking about it's on the lips of every people it's on the lips of all people and some hate it and some divide uh, divide over it and some despise it and others believe it believe it he is the divider of mankind it's proven to this day the most important issue for us is what do we do with jesus have we received the king and worshiped him have we believed him that's what he calls us to We're not like the rabbis who said, you better get your lives all straight first. He's saying, believe the promise of the gospel. In a world of sadness and sorrow and bondage, think about what you've been given. What are we waiting for? (laughs) God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And he says, that's why I can die now. That's why I can die without fear. The Holy Spirit has shown you something today. Not so different. He's shown you Jesus. Jesus Christ is coming soon. He's going to fix all this. He's going to make it all brand new. And today I pray that as we enter a new year and we anticipate the coming of the new year, that we would be as Simeon, longing and waiting for the Comforter to come a second time as he has promised. And he promises we won't miss it. Every eye will see him. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess. So do it today. Believe the promises And then you can live a life rejoicing in your hardship, patient in affliction, ready no matter what comes upon you to go to be with your Lord at his call anytime. Let's thank him today for the gift. Heavenly Father, thank you for the gift, indescribable gift of your son. Thank you for salvation. Thank you for redemption. 
Thank you for being merciful and continuing to announce such good news to the ends of the earth. The light is truly shining and is overcoming the darkness. May this light shine in our hearts as we believe in your promised Messiah and trust you for salvation, recognizing that we need to be saved from our sins and that that answer is fully and given only in the one who said he is the way, the truth, and the life. There is no other way to heaven except through him. May we believe and trust so great a salvation. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.